Hello and welcome to Unboxing Christianity, the podcast in which we seek to unbox and explore all things to do with the Christian faith. I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who has been listening in to the podcasts. Uh, thank you to everyone who has also sent in messages, whether you've been giving in ideas for topics, whether you've been sending in nice messages of support. I really do appreciate you doing that. I didn't actually think that many people would listen to the podcast, but uh, I've been proven wrong. So thank you all for that. If you do enjoy this podcast, be, please feel free to share uh, this with others and follow on the Instagram page as well. That would be fantastic. But anyway, it's time to introduce this episode of the podcast in which I'm joined once again by my good friend Jordan Galbraith as we explore believerism, uh, a really interesting topic and probably a word you've never heard before. Um, so listen in, I hope you enjoy this as we explain uh, a little bit more about what we're actually talking about. So enjoy. Well, hello and welcome back to another podcast um thank you for listening in and once again i'm joined by jordan jordan how are you doing i'm well matthew how are you um good good Can't complain just just to to keep our viewers up to date it is uh 20 to 1 on july 10th yes 2021 so it's, of our Lord. it's the early hours of the morning we're doing this podcast so but we love it we love it we love it so it's uh yeah, we decided to, to do a late one. We we midnight. Late night. <laughs> we late night. Late night with Matthew. But uh, yes, so we're talking about a, a really interesting um, topic. Um, you know, a topic that you know. Well, when I when we say what we're talking about, it might not. You might be like, "What the flip are you talking about?" Um, and the reason that is is because I uh, coined this phrase. Now I say I I coined <laughs> it. That's not true. I mean, I probably heard it somewhere and it's stuck in my brain. But it's something that I used. And um, yeah, I use it. So Jordan, would you like to share with our audience what we're talking about today? Yes. So uh, today's uh, today's topic coined by our very own Matthew himself is uh, is believerism. Uh, edgy, edgy new word alert. Yeah. Watch out Oxford Dictionary this year. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to sort of unpack what, what Matthew, what I think Matthew means by believerism. <laughs> Yeah, so um, there's. Do you, want, do you want to give us your your definition? Well, I'll give you my definition. You okay. know, as the coiner of that uh, phrase. <laughs> um, I don't think that's a, a phrase, but anyway. That's um, my. That's my. <laughs> my word. So the idea is that um believe in my sort of understanding of what believerism is is that obviously as Christians we are our whole faith is based around believe. You know, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And we trust in him, and that's that's what we're called to do. You know, that's what Jesus calls us to do. That's what the, all the Bible calls us to do in the New Testament. However, what can happen is is that we can sometimes fall into the trap of just believing. And what I mean by that is is that our faith becomes nothing more than an intellectual, uh, sort of asset, an, asset, an intellectual, uh, something that's just in the brain it's just in the mind we we believe jesus in our you know we have that famous saying oh you know um you know you know do you when you sit in the chair you trust that chair it's not going to break you know it's going to hold you up and it's like we trust but actually and and our maybe that's not a good example but the idea is that um (laughs) that we believe but it's purely just an intellectual event and it's nothing else and what i'm not saying is is that i'm not saying because obviously a big part of our faith is that we we have to believe with our heart but we'll talk about later on 
what that by believing in our heart what that should lead us to so what's your views on that do you agree with that what do you want to add yeah, to that like if i was if i was if i was going to be a coiner and, and coin my own version of what i think you're talking about i would probably call it lazy faith mm-hmm. or um yeah if, you, if you've listened to to the podcast matthew and me did matthew and i beg your pardon <laughs> um the one uh the one was it six christs was that what it was called um it was called yeah different same gospel same, different same message gospel different message if you listen to that one some of this might sound like repetition but we're kind of expanding on on one of the ones we talked about that night um and my understanding of what we're talking about is this sort of um the christianity that i would say is quite prevalent in northern ireland and, and in lots of parts of the western the western world where you have this like you say the sinner's prayer you become a christian and then you put your blinkers on, you hide from everyone, and you kind of hope for the best and just eagerly await heaven mm-hmm. and, and sort of pass pass judgment on the world around you because it's terrible. And uh, and you kind of just sit tight and look forward to death. Um, that's kind of my understanding of, of what we're talking about. Yeah, and as you were saying that, a, a song came into my head that is way before my time, and it's you in your small corner and I in mine. Mm-hmm. That song which was sang, sang in churches, but actually is so problematic because it's like <laughs> you in your corner and my and I corner. And, and we're never we, going to speak. We're, we'll, we're never going to move out of our corners. Um, we'll so wave in heaven. Yes, yeah. we'll wave in heaven. I'll see you in heaven. <laughs> um, but yeah, that idea of, I think that's a good way, but the idea that it's lazy. Lifeboat Christianity. Lifeboat Christianity. And it's there's no real... The world's a sinking ship. Yes. You're on the lifeboat and you're yeah. looking forward to getting to the land of heaven. Yes, so that's what we're talking about when we're talking about believers and this idea of just a sort of ineffectual Christianity, which is just an intellectual pursuit. So I guess with that out of the way, we should maybe share maybe our experience and, and I'll share my experience of why this is something that frustrates me a lot and, and something that obviously in saying that I fall into this quite a lot. So it's not something that I've, it's not, I'm not coming from a perspective that, oh, I don't do this because I, I do sometimes fall into believerism um, and I don't actually live out my faith. But my experience, I grew up in a very traditional church, a church that was um, traditional in the sense that I would say fundamentalist as well. Um, and it was very much like you went to church on a Sunday, you went to a prayer meeting, you went to the Bible study during the week. And that's, you know, that was your faith was just coming to these things. And I remember the, the pastor at the time, and I'm not mentioning any names, but I remember there would always be this kind of criticism would be levied at people who didn't come to things because what I would pick up that idea was that your faith was not about living it out. It was about attending events. Mm-hmm. It was about coming. And if you didn't attend an event, it was, why are we not at this event? You know, and uh, this was very much what it was. And I think that, um, you know, that's what I sort of grew up with this idea that your faith is just something that you, you believe, you know, in your head, you just, if you just believe hard enough and you just go to all these events and, you, you you know you read your bible and you do all this stuff that's all you need to do so i mean i very much grew up with that um you know this idea that there's no real you know all i need to do is just think this stuff in my head and i don't really need to do much and if i make a mistake or i sin i just do a prayer and that's me i'm back at in my wee corner again and um god's happy with me and that's that was just my faith so i guess i grew up with that and as i've got a bit older and as I've more mature, um, maybe, maybe not mature, I don't know, um, in my faith and as a person I've started to realise that actually Christianity is 
Yes, we believe that Jesus Christ is the saviour of the world, but there's also an and to that. We believe and, and we'll get to that in a little bit of what, what, what that means. So it's believe and do, um, believe and live out and believe and, you know, but we'll talk about it in a minute. Jordan, what's your experience? Yeah, I would say my experience is probably a little bit similar. Um, I kind of grew up immersed in, well, not, I suppose, from about P2 or so onwards, um, attending a, a sort of similar kind of, you know, pretty pretty mainstream conservative Northern Irish church where you, you know, whenever, what am I trying to say? Yeah, like, you know, your Sunday school stories, you were told, you know, say the sinner's prayer. I remember saying it as a kid mm. and I'll be completely honest, I was definitely, like, I definitely didn't have, like, a, a born-again experience in that moment that I'm aware of. I did it and, you know, my dad took me around to my granny who would be from a very similar kind of fundamentalist persuasion and she was like, oh my word, that's amazing. And I remember just being like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and um, yeah, I remember, I would say probably when I was about 16, um, I, went to, I went to a scripture union camp and, or scripture union, I can't speak. <laughs> and um, I kind of had this real sense of, of something happening and I was, I was exploring and, and stuff was sort of making a bit more sense. And uh, bought my first book about Christianity, which was which was Shane Claiborne, which mm, uh, nice. Irresistible Revolution, which has probably shaped a lot of my faith ever since. And I bought my my Bible at the wee the wee stall in, in this field in Donegal, and I remember one of the first passages I read. I actually read myself in in this new Bible in this field, was was Matthew twenty five, um, which we'll we'll read later, mm-hmm. and um. I've, I've always very much, like, what, what sort of clicked for me in that moment, whenever I, w- I would say I became a Christian, um, would be, I, I have to love God and love my neighbour, and God's, God's going to judge me and how well I do that, and, and that's, that's what my sort of, my, my destiny hinges on, and what my life's going to look like, is, is going to look based on how, I lo- how well I love people and love God, mm. and I then, as I got more involved in, in, in church, Found that nobody else was driven by this sort of ideal that I'd found. So like I found that you know people cared an awful lot more about believing all the right things than they did about loving people. And um, that's not that's not to say everyone was like that, but just from from a lot of the teaching and stuff, it was all about um, you know making sure you believe all the right things about God, and maybe not practically doing as much about it. Um, which isn't to say you know there's definitely uh, uh, I didn't have like a, a, a well, well we'll not get into the, a big long conversation about my experience of church <laughs> but um, that I had amazing times where there was some, there were certainly people there who really were passionate about wanting to love love other people and love God but I, I found just the I think just the the environment in Northern Ireland Northern Irish Christianity anyway is very believery um, and it's you know that kind of lifeboat Christianity, um, and and you'd maybe you'd maybe feel your heart breaking about things that you you thought Jesus would really care about, and you'd find no one was really that fussed, um, because uh, they were just so focused on heaven. It was like the world was almost like a TV show. It didn't matter. It was like you, you can change the channel, mm. just change the channel back to a song about heaven, and and your faith will be fine. So yeah, I guess I've kind of found that quite. 
confusing. Yeah, and I guess the thing as well that just as you were saying, that's what it came to my head, and I mean, this is no criticism of you know how people were brought up and how I was brought up because I mean I was brought up really. I mean, my parents did a great job bringing me up. Wow. Um, <laughs> I'm so joking. Um, but the thing is, like you know, I always remember at the start there was like you see people that say don't watch this, don't do this. Yes. And of course, I believe hundred percent that we need to protect children's minds and we need to protect our minds from what's out there and we need to be careful about what we put in and again that's up to the individual um you know paul does say all things are permissible but not all things are are good um but the the thing about it is is that like i remember not not being told not to read harry potter no not, not, oh, that, not that i really words. not that i really wanted to read harry potter but it was this idea of like you know this is you know and again i'm not criticizing people because some people you know very very strongly believe in this sort of stuff but like it's this idea of um you know christianity becomes more of a you know it's very much like a you know don't do these things you're told things not to do mm-hmm. don't do these things but very rarely are you told the things to do and if the things that you are to, are told to do are like reading your bible and praying and going to church read your bible pray yeah there's no like it. You know, um, lo- you know, we need to love our neighbor. We need to love that person that's maybe you know different to us. We need to and okay, fair enough. Maybe it's unfair to say that we were never told that, but that's not emphasized. It it's, wasn't the dominant now. It's not the dominant, and it's always the things not to do. You know, so I guess obviously with that background, obviously we both come from a place where we're sort of trying to break away from that kind of and seeing the frustration that because you know we will see very clearly soon that Jesus was, um, you know, definitely someone that promotes this idea of making our faith or sort of our belief from turning it from an intellectual into an actual uh, physical everyday mm-hmm. kind of active lifestyle so um you know we've talked about our journey of believerism and our sort of christian journey so far in that um but just focusing on the church and paul now let's talk a little bit about paul just very very briefly Okay, not too much about him. Not too much about him, um. Just because this is gonna help with what we're gonna talk about next, but what do you think, Paul? Part of play, Paul the the apostle Paul plays in creating this kind of culture of believerism. Yeah, we'll start with a disclaimer, and say that we're not we're not dissing Paul. Yes. We're not we're not pooing all over him. No, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Um, really, really important. We wouldn't be Christians if Paul hadn't spread the gospel, um. But I think. Personally, something I think is kind of important to recognise is um, that so Paul's the most influential interpreter of Jesus' message and ministry, um, but he, he would have had like a, a slightly different view of life from Jesus. Um, so, so like Jesus, Paul was Jewish, um, but unlike Jesus, Paul was, Paul was a Roman citizen uh, and had all sorts of benefits that would have come with that. Um, he always had his, his protection guaranteed by the Roman state. Uh, he didn't always use that, um, but in Athens it, it definitely shows that he was aware of it. And he was from Tarsus, which was, was a, a really intellectual place in, in what would be Turkey now. Uh, Tar- Tarsus would have been like more, uh, even more significant than, than Athens as a, as a centre of Greek culture and, and learning. And um, Tarsus was even a really special place. Um, you didn't have to pay tax if you lived in Tarsus. So I guess mm, the Monaco of its time. Yes. Um, <laughs> Thank but, you. but to put it a wee bit simplistically, um, Paul is a boy from the city. Um, and, and the metaphors that Jesus used come from the countryside. He, he talks about sheep and weeds and farmers and trees. Um, 
and a lot of the the sort of rural peasant culture that Jesus would have grown up in wouldn't have wouldn't have permeated Paul's life that much. Uh, Paul's Paul's ministry takes place in urban centers that are that are miles and oceans away from the hardships that would have surrounded Jesus, and um, so. I think just the, the context of, of where they both grew up is interesting. And it's not to say there's anything wrong with the fact that God used someone of privilege. I think it's really important that he did um, to show that God God is a God who's for everyone. But I think it's just important to, to kind of ground that, that Paul is from a different background to Jesus. Um, and that, that background may have influenced his, his way of thinking sometimes. Um, and the other thing I would say is that you have to understand Paul's teachings in the context that he he believed and it's not just that this was like a wacky belief paul had everyone has believed this forever that jesus is coming back like stuff mm. so paul paul believed that at any moment jesus was going to come back and sweep up steadfast believers and um, and that you didn't really well i i i think paul probably believed that he, he didn't have to worry about that much about changing your present circumstances in the world around you because you're so convinced that at any minute jesus is going to come back and institute radical change in the world right away so so this this worldview um which is is this a, a, apocalypticism mm-hmm. um would be his it's not just sort of the 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 underpinning of his theology but it's the his strategy for addressing things like injustice in the world is is would be hold fast and jesus is going to be back at any minute and here's here's my teachings about what to do in the meantime. But, um, you know, as we're, we're 2000 years later and, and, uh, and we're still, we're still waiting on Jesus coming back. So I think it's important because I think so much, so much of that, that's, it's not a view unique to Paul at all. So many Christians I know have a kind of attitude where things are going around, around them in the world that I, I passionately feel they should care about as Christians. Mm-hmm. But they just have this kind of switched off view that like the world is almost fake. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't really matter because Jesus is going to come back at any minute and we're all going to be taken to heaven. So there's kind of this disconnect from the world we live in that it's kind of fake. Mm-hmm. Is that, yeah. Does that make sense? That probably sounds really strange, but it kind of, I, I almost feel like sometimes people, and I guess you get that with that sort of, you know, we're supposed to be all of the world, not in the world, things like that. And, mm. and when people say, uh, you know, I'm just traveling through this world and yeah, this world's not my home. This and, world's not yeah. my home. And yeah, my, sort my of, citizenship's in heaven. All yeah. that sort of kind of it feeds this kind of culture where you end up not caring yeah. about the world you live in. Yeah, yeah, and I guess it's well, it's you know, you see it in people's sort of reaction. It's like, you know, people say the world's getting evil, and but Jesus is coming back soon. It's all sort of stuff, and it's like, you know, well, my when I when I see stuff like that, I'm like, well you know, that doesn't give you an, an opt-out, you know, you don't get the opt-out, you know, it's, it's sort of this idea that, oh, well, Jesus is coming back soon, so I get the opt-out of actually doing things, and I think that is, yeah, leading on from what you've said, where people can take Paul and run with it, um, because obviously a lot of people back in the day, Paul's day, thought that Jesus was coming back soon, um, little did they know that when Jesus said he would be back soon, he actually meant <laughs> soon, <hope> and, <laughs> yes, uh, a long time soon, um, but, the idea is that yeah, it's it can become oh you know, we don't really need to worry about this event because Jesus is coming back soon, but um yeah I mean people have been saying that for years haven't they and, uh, I think it also comes into uh, a a poor understanding of, um, you know, uh, cause I I I mean you see people saying oh this is 
this this was mentioned in you know revelation so that means jesus is coming back soon and all that sort of stuff so we don't need to worry about all that stuff and it's actually as if as i said people getting opt out as if oh i don't need to worry about this anymore because you know yeah jesus is coming yeah. coming back this is but, kind of a side note but i always find it funny the way that people read revelation and every generation has a new hot take mm-hmm. on when the world's going to end and when Jesus comes back. Oh, and yeah. something will happen in the news and they'll be like, this was in Revelation. As yeah. if, like, every single generation does this. Mm-hmm. Like, 50 years ago they did it. 50 years ago before yeah. that. Like, I can't imagine a time in, in history when you would have thought more. Like, you had you had a dictator literally annihilating the Jews. And, and yeah. And Jesus still hasn't come back, so yeah, I find it. People get yeah, so into into thinking, you know, it's just an idea that's really held. This idea that Jesus yeah. is coming back any minute, but it's a very a bad way to live. But it's a very but, evangelical fundamentalist kind of approach. Like yeah. in other denominations, you don't find that obsession with the Revelation. Like yeah, in yeah. in other Christian sort of like you have the Orthodox Church, you have the Catholic Church, and don't have as a big as an obsession. Mm-hmm. As, and and I would say a lot of times maybe the more. Um, less fundamentalist Protestant churches would be less focused. It's you know because I grew up as I grew up in a church that was very much like everything that would happen was oh that's a sign of the end we're in the end times and all that sort of stuff and it was in my opinion uh you know again my opinion is my opinion uh but I think we again misunderstand a lot of what Revelation is actually saying to us yeah and that's a whole topic for another day that's a podcast but I guess you know we've talked about Paul and how sometimes we often take Paul and run with him and don't really understand what, you know, and Paul can lead us into that kind of thinking. If we're not careful, we can lead into that thinking of, you know, oh, I don't need to worry about this again. As long as I believe in my wee corner and in my lifeboat, I'm fine. But the question I have is, what does believerism do to Christians? So what is the act when, when someone just spends their life in their, in their you know, having their, their, their faith or their belief becomes a intellectual pursuit rather than a, you know, an actual uh, active life, what, what does it do to Christians? I feel like, I think there's two things. I'm going to say there's two strands of believerism. Believerism? <laughs> Believer, that's the, no, that's no. The, the Justin Bieber ideology. We're talking about Justin Bieber now. <laughs> um, so I would say there's two strands. The first one would be, it's an intellectual pursuit. So you obsess with theology, you read every book under the sun, mm-hmm you've got an answer to absolutely every possible scenario that's thrown at you. You've got an excuse for anything awful that happens. You can kind of wash it away and say, well, you know, it said this and I read this, blah, 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 blah. The other one I'm going to call blind believerism, which is when it's not an intellectual pursuit, but it's just, you, you're, you, you think that God's approval of you depends on, you believe in all the right things completely blindly um, and you, you maybe don't you know I think there's loads of Christians who don't obsess over theology and don't read every book under the sun they just read the Bible mm. and they're they're not that interested in reading anything outside the Bible because as far as they're concerned the Bible is God's word and that's that um, listen to our podcast and soul scripture in more <laughs> detail but I think I think there's probably a wee bit of a difference between the two because a lot of people love to look for answers but some people are happy enough with 
the ones that they're able to find inside the Bible. Does that make sense? Yep. Do you think that's a fair point? Yeah, I think it's. I think it is breaking it down the two because yeah, there's the the yeah, the intellectual idea that it's, uh, and I guess by intellectual I mean that it's all in your mind. It's something oh, okay. that's. But I get. It's actually a good point to bring up. You know, it's the idea that you know you you read lots of stuff and you know you get a theology degree and all of a sudden you think you're the you know the, the bees, bees knees. knees. You know you think you're great and you know you should be um you know a minister and all and but uh, <laughs> you know the thing about this is that I think a lot of people that it becomes intellectual pursuit i fall into this trap too because i love reading books um is that you know it's learning more about jesus learning more about the church learning more about things but actually not allowing that to feed into how you live out your life or that could be reading the bible and not allowing that to feed in but then the blind sort of thing which is you know people and i, I guess you know it falls into this thing which is spoon-fed Christianity. And I mean, I've been there and I'm sure we've all been there where we have believed things blindly, where we've heard someone say it once and we believe it and then we run with it and we don't actually know what we fully understand. And then when we maybe go away and read on it and we're like, oh, wait a minute, you know, um, and people who maybe, um, you know, will die on a hill for a belief system that they have um, that, you know, is... Uh, as I say, you know, something that they strongly believe in just because, um, you know, without, well, without really understanding what it is. And, uh, but then the problem with that is, is not a lot, when, when we hold those beliefs so tightly. Well, first of all, I should say, I should answer the question, what does believerism do to Christians? My viewpoint on it, leading <laughs> on from that. Well, I think, first of all, it makes us um, incredibly ineffective and apathetic um, to yes. things around us. Um, and I think that when we just have this idea where Christianity is just something that we're sitting in our corner, we're like, I'm a Christian, you know, I said that one prayer one time, you know, I read my Bible and do all this sort of stuff and I don't need to do anything. It makes us, because the whole Christian message of Jesus, and we're going to get to that in a bit when we get into scripture, um, is that the whole Christian message is that Jesus is, you know, do as I do, you know, he washes disciples' feet, he, you know, looks after the poor he does all these types of types of things he doesn't come and preach and you know tell people other people he actually actually lives out what he preaches he practices what he preaches you know that's the he's the ultimate uh saying of that so i think you know uh christians it makes us apathetic to the things going around us um and i think as i say ineffective because as christians we're called to be effective in that now i have a very hyperbolic question Okay. And this question's very dangerous question. We love some hyperbole. We love and being misunderstood and cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> then we're going to get into some scripture, right? Just to, to, to get into the Bible, because that's the whole point. We're unboxing Christianity here. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. Does believerism, and the idea, and by believerism again, the idea that things become an intellectual pursuit and our faith is not lived out, we're in our lifeboats, we're in our wee corner. Does it, are we actually Christians? Can you be a Christian and just you know, sit in your wee corner and, you know. I suppose my answer would be it completely depends on how you define being a Christian. Yeah, that's a good answer, actually. If your definition of a Christian is I've said the sinner's prayer, then yes. But if your definition of a Christian is I try my best to love Mm. my neighbours as if they are Jesus, um... And I, I actively try to, to build the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. That, that's a different thing, I think. Okay, so, yeah. And if you do both, 
so yeah, so you're saying right. sinners, sinners. If you say sinners' prayer, then that's not because you said yes to that. But I mean, I suppose you mean no. Oh, hold on, guys. The the, <laughs> the early morning is kicking in. Yes. Why oh, is have I said something I don't actually think? Well, so what I'm saying is, it depends I'm on your. It de- it depends on your definition yes. of being a Christian. Yeah. Because if you believe that you just have to say the sinner's prayer and it's all about what you believe. Okay, it's like a then general. yes, you would say you're a Christian. But okay, if yeah. you believe being a Christian is more action-based mm. as well as your beliefs, then you would also say that person is a Christian. Yes, okay. I, both, I agree. both might say each other aren't because yes. their focus is on something else. So the, the one yeah. who believes is all about believing things will go, all they do is charity work. Yeah, and they don't actually preach the the, the full gospel or whatever. Yeah, oh, and then the other one will go. That guy never does anything to help anyone. I can't believe he calls himself a Christian when all he does is rant. Yes. So, I that's my answer to your question, which doesn't. And that's a good answer because it's um you know it's uh, you know it uh, it depends on what you believe Christianity. But then I guess then that leads us now into reading what Scripture says about the Christian faith. Um, do you have any Scripture you want to share with us? Is there anything that, or maybe. A certain story, of, uh, or you know, from the Gospels. Um, I want to read Matthew twenty five. Go for that's it. That's okay. Yeah. Just because I think, at, like that's the uh, that's where I'll always come back to. Okay. I think for my faith anyway, and um, so starting at verse uh, thirty one in Matthew twenty five, um, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom, prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. The righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me in. I needed clothes and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you didn't look after me. And then they will answer, Lord, when did we, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger needing clothes or sick or in prison and we didn't help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. They will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And mm. I just find that an extremely easy to understand account of how to live out being a Christian. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the words of Jesus. That's him. That's you know, God incarnate. That's God incarnate <laughs> saying uh, saying those things, and and I guess. You know, well, do you have anything else you want to add to that thing before I go on my, my, well, I get scripture, by what scripture? <laughs> Just Bible bashing. Just Bible bashing. Bible bashing in the yeah. early hours is what we should call the podcast. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, no, I just think it's, it's, I don't want, I don't want you to hear me saying it doesn't matter what you believe. 
and you just need to do nice things. Yeah. But I, I think it's pretty clear from that passage, um, that we're going to be judged based on how we treat the most marginalized because that's Jesus literally says they're him, and and we should treat them literally as if they're God, mm. and. I think it is incredible how we've managed to turn Christianity into this religion where we've made caring for the marginalised like a, a nice thing that the funny, the kind of quirky person at church does on the side. Mm. Like, I think yeah. that's crazy. And it, it, the thing that always broke, like, breaks me was the, if the trolleys for the food banks at the back of a church and really middle-class churches, and they're always so empty and it's just like a an indictment. You've done like a sermon series on another one of Paul's letters mm-hmm. and you know all the right things, but we're not we're, there's like one wee thing of beans and it's like spar value and it just kills me because yeah. it's yeah, it's I just I feel like we're missing the point. Oh yeah. And I, 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 I don't guess. I'm not saying Paul's letters aren't great. Yeah. They are. And I love Brilliant. that we're saved by grace. I'm not saying that we're not. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, I I think it's pretty clear that, um, grace, grace comes with a responsibility and an yes. understanding that you're going to, um, you yeah. know, it, not that it's a deal, but that it's there's an understanding that mm-hmm. if if you would receive this grace, you would extend that grace mm-hmm. to everyone the way that it's been yeah. extended to you. Yeah, and I guess you know I'm gonna read from James and then. There's a bit about faith in it, and you have something you want to say about faith after, don't you? About maybe a yes. bit, a bit more. So, but I'm going to read James now. James is a book that I love. James, but James is quite often a book that a lot of people avoid. Um, Martin Luther didn't like James whenever during the Reformation. No, he wanted he, to. He wanted to put it out of the Bible. Didn't he I? didn't like it. Um, but I think it's amazing. It's a great so, book. Uh, take that, Martin Luther. You know, I think it's great. <laughs> but the thing you about got it is, told. Four hundred <laughs> um, years too late. Yeah, but. I think it's great, and there's a bit here, and I think it's the most, one of the most misunderstood bits of the Bible, and I'm not going to read it all, but it's in um, James chapter 2, and it's it says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. So you believe that there is one God, this is it. And it says, good, even the demons believe that and shudder. Um, and then it talks about, you know, because all they talk about how, you know, Abraham believed God and was counted righteous. And then at this last bit, it's in the same way, was not Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in different direction? Uh, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. And I think this is such a misunderstood thing because people read this and they think it contradicts what Paul says and mm-hmm. what, you know, the idea that Jesus talks about that, you know, and, and what well, says in Acts about, you know, there's no other name. Someone can be saved under heaven. And people think it, but it, it, it's not because the reality, I think this part of James really gets to the heart of what we're kind of talking about. Uh, the idea that ha- the, having faith, which you're going to explain a little bit in a minute about what that means, or believing that G- God is one and believing that Jesus is the son of God is actually, it's that, you know, we can only be saved 
through Jesus and his death on the cross. However, it is our deeds and our actions that show our faith to be true. And I think this really perfectly links into what you were reading there in Matthew 25, the idea that if someone has no food and someone needs you know, clothes and you say, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, or you say that they think, oh, I'll pray for you, and you don't actually do anything about it, then, you know, people can question your faith and or your, 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 now, that's not saying sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it, that makes it sound so black and white as if it's an easy thing to do. Sometimes it's not as simple as that. There's a lot, of, but this idea that, um, and this is what I think James is, is getting at here. He, you know, he's, he's saying, you know, your body needs a spirit or else it's going to be dead. Um, you know, as a body without spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So the idea is that if you have faith, if you say you believe in Jesus and you do not live out, and I say this to myself, and do not live out an active life of where you are loving people and showing and you know, feeding you know, the hungry and doing all those things that Jesus said, then, you know, is your faith really alive? And that's what gets back to that question. Can we be a Christian and maintain this kind of intellectual pursuit of our faith and be like, well, you know, uh, and I think, no, I think that the, the Bible is, is very clear about this, and especially in James and in Paul again, but I'll get to that in a minute because you're going to explain a little bit about faith so we can have an understanding when it talks about faith um, faith and, and deeds. So share with us a little bit about faith. Yeah, yeah, because I think we know what we're talking about when we talk about deeds. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the time, faith is something that can be quite complicated and misconstrued. Um, this was something I have been sort of looking into and unpacking a lot over, uh, goodness knows how many lockdowns. Um, and I sort of found this, this understanding of faith to be quite liberating. So I thought I'd sort of share it um, just because it completely reframed it for me. And, and I find it much more reassuring. I can sleep a wee bit easier at night. Um, so... Matthew, if I asked you what faith means, not not in an extremely general, not Christian way, just the definition of the word faith. Well, what my answer would be? You, what would your answer be? Jesus. But not. <laughs> no, my faith. Uh, George but, Michael. <laughs> um, that was a, such a Sunday school answer. Um, faith is is your, um, what you believe. It's your, you know, I have faith in Jesus. That's it. That's yeah. what I would say. But explain to me what it so, is. So I think like a super general dictionary definition of, of faith would be believing something that you can't see or be fully sure yeah. of, yeah. Uh, which is which is fair enough. Um, but if I then said, Matthew, tell me about your faith, that means something a wee bit different. Um, so the phrase, my faith, basically means the beliefs I hold, like the, the set of beliefs I have. And in Christianity, that means, you know, what you believe about God, what you believe about the Bible, what you believe about sin or salvation or, or the Trinity or whatever. Um, and we tend to bundle all these beliefs into a box and we call we put a big label on that and call it faith. Um, but the problem is when you put all your beliefs in this box, it becomes something that you possess. It's like something you own. Mm-hmm. And that means that like your phone or your laptop or your, your car, it's subject to damage or being lost or... Um, are altered in some way and um, basically this this idea that I, that I came across when I was when I was nosing about and um, reading different books and stuff was was this idea that kept cropping up that we should think of faith as a verb and not a noun and um, so conceptualizing it in this way is one of the definitely one of the most significant moves I've made in my um, in, in my own sort of spiritual walk um, and 
and it's really sort of blown my mind to be honest with you so if faith is a noun so if a noun if it's something that you have it's something that you possess then it can deteriorate and it can be lost so how many conversations would you have with people when like if you're, if you're talking to another christian and you maybe go oh how's your faith i'm i'm losing my faith i've i really feel like i don't know what my faith is anymore my faith isn't as strong as what it used to be we have these conversations so often um, and it's because so much of us have grown up thinking what well, we've been taught that faith is a noun and that it's something that you have and and having a strong faith means you hold all the right beliefs with complete certainty and there's absolutely no doubt in your mind but when faith then functions as a verb it becomes something that you practice and mm. you embody and um, so practicing faith as a verb is kind of completely liberated me from from worrying and and being terrified that uh, and obsessed with the idea that I have to get it right all the time and what I believe and um, and and sort of thinking of faith more as a posture and um, so you're you're holding yourself open uh, open to God and you're trusting that God is real and that God exists and that God is the possibility to, to transform you and to transform the world around you and um, if, if faith is tied to, to you being 100% certain on everything all the time, then everything around you seems like a threat. Whereas if it's based on a posture, um, that, that doesn't really happen in the same way. You're much more able to, to kind of react to what's happening around you and focus on on this posture of just trying your best to love God and love others. Um, so, yeah, and I think it's also quite liberating to know that God's approval of you doesn't hinge on whether or not your beliefs are concrete yeah. but it hinges on you know the, the Matthew 25 basically yeah. the, the sheep and the goats um, so yeah I think because yeah, it's an interesting point there you mentioned because so often you know I love James and I love that sort of his, his understanding and um, you know of, uh, but so often what we just we all people jump on this idea and say Oh, but deeds doesn't save you, mm-hmm. you know, and no one says that in the Bible. There's nowhere in Scripture does it say that deeds save you, um. But we don't actually look, go from the other perspective and say, well, you're saved by your belief, like your beliefs, like yeah. my. If I was a, you know, I'm an Anglican and I I believe in all the Anglican articles of religion, mm-hmm. that that saves me. It's not. It's obviously Jesus saves us. So there's that. There's those two ways of being. We can become our faith can be these articles of faith that we hold to. You know, every single one of we hold very strictly. That doesn't save us. The same way that doing works doesn't save us, but yeah. you know, just sort of on that idea of seeing faith as a doing word, and it's 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 something that you live out, and you know, obviously GM says in verse eighteen of chapter two, he says, you know, um, you know, I will show you my faith by my deeds, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's such a an important thing to that you know the idea is that I will show you, you know, um, you know, my faith is in something I don't quite understand, it's something that I. Um, you know, I don't quite understand it, but I trust and I, I, I obey and I, I, I listen and I love, but I'm going to show you that, that by my deeds. And throughout scripture, isn't it? How many times in scripture, you know, Jesus says, you know, you will know them by their fruit, what fruit you, you bear, you know, you will be known by, you know, if you bear bad fruit, people will know, but if you bear good fruit, then people will know. Mm-hmm. And then Paul talks about multiple times about how we, we're running a race and our faith is about, it's an active journey, running a race, um, you know, constantly going and constantly moving forward it's active um and when obviously we, we link in here with with what james is saying this idea that you know we're went to show what we believe 
not by reciting all the articles of faith and not by reciting the Westminster Convention or mm-hmm. the, yeah, the creeds, yeah. even though they're good and they're handy to have, but we show our faith by... And it's sort of, it almost feels like we need to redefine and, you know, like redefine our understanding of, what it, of what it means to be Christian in a way. And like it's like saying, oh, I'm not a Christian because I go to church or I believe these things or, you know, I said this prayer once, but I'm a Christian. Here, I'll show you I'm a Christian because yeah. I'm going to, you know. And the thing is, well, Matt, I think people can see it. Mm. And like, I think there's, there's two reactions you'll get out of people who aren't Christians. Mm-hmm. There's one when you get a believerism kind of Christian and it's, oh, they're a Christian. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other kind of person who is so obviously, undeniably a Christian mm-hmm. because of the way they treat people. Yeah. The people go, oh, they're, they must be mm-hmm. a Christian. And the, the the difference in the tone of the way people react to that, I think is amazing. Yeah. Um, and I've seen that in, in workplaces and in school and mm-hmm. stuff. And there's a real... There's there's almost like it's like the word Christian has two completely different meanings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's almost like this idea of like being a follower of Christ is not a thing you are; it's a thing you do. Mm-hmm. It's more like you know, it's 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 strange because yes, being a follower of Christ, you are a follower of Christ because you follow Jesus, but it's something that you do. It's and I guess it's this idea of like the word love in Scripture. You know, the idea of you know love is a doing word. You know, you can't love someone without you know showing that you love them. You know, it's you know, it wouldn't be, you know, if I said I love someone, but I do nothing to show that uh, that I love them, well, I don't really love them, do you? You know, you, you show someone you love them by how you do. And I guess the same is we show our faith by what we do and how we live. And and I guess it's, it's the frustrating side because the church has obviously, for many years, generations, and has, some churches have done incredible, mighty things by doing, but some whose churches that sit in their, you know, it's easy to sit in the pews. I could do it. I could mm-hmm. sit in my pew and not do anything. And I'm involved on it. Yeah, and it's challenging. But when we actually look at what the Bible says and Jesus himself says that our faith is to be active, lived out in that way. Yeah. So. Uh, have you ever heard, right, how good is your Greek? Um, not very good. Being married to a Greek separate, <laughs> I'd expect better. Um, so I want to talk about a word. It's right. It's spelt P-I-S-T-I-S. I'm going to pronounce it Pitus and assume that the S is silent mm. because I don't want to say Pistis. <laughs> okay. Um, but basically there's this word, uh, Pitus, uh, in the New Testament. And every time in our English Bibles, it's translated as faith. And mm. um, so it, it's fullest meaning, you know, you always get these in sermons whenever people break apart words mm. and explain that all the other things they could mean. Um, or maybe, maybe, maybe they don't. <laughs> Not every church does it. Depends well. where you go. Depends where you go. Um, but if you, if you break this word apart in English, it would mean um, trust, faithfulness and faith. Um, and it's actually, I think, a lot of the, the stories with Jesus in the New Testament are really interesting if you swap out the word faith with trust. Um, so, um. I also think then the 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 translators insisting on translating it as faith has fed this idea that faith primarily means the list of things that you believe. Mm. So if you remember faith as trust, it kind of keeps this sense of of action and movement and doing. And um, whenever whenever you think about faith in the Bible, so 
there's 14 times in the Gospels that Jesus heals or saves someone in response to their, uh, their pietus. Um, for example, Jesus tells two different women, your, your pietus has saved you, um, which we've always read as your faith has saved you. But, um, and, and if you take that out of context, that fits perfectly in a belief system where that means these two people believe all the right things and they're saved, mm-hmm. so they're not going to hell. Yeah. That's, and that's all that means. Um, but if that was true, the stories would reveal women demonstrating um, like some sort of expression of correct doctrinal belief. But they don't. Um, we don't read stories about women professing the Westminster Confession of Faith or Why not? the, <laughs> the uh, what is it, the Anglican Oracles of Religion yeah. or the, the Catechism or whatever. We, we don't read about that. Um, and these stories aren't about people getting a nice house in the afterlife when they get off the lifeboat. Um, they, they're about finding rescue from, from pain and experiencing wholeness in their being here and now. Um, so, so if faith hinges on, on having correct beliefs, um, then, then what theological concept or what, what doctrine or, or what catechism did these two women possess that prompted Jesus to praise their faith and present them with, with salvation or healing or, or rescue? Um, and according to these stories, it's, it's nothing. The stories don't seem to depend on the woman professing all the right beliefs, but they have bold actions that lead to their lives being changed. Um, their faith made them whole not because they express all the right beliefs all the time but because they trust Jesus um, these these people in the, in the gospels they don't ever present Jesus with a dissertation on you know theology mm. they just trust that Jesus is who yeah. he says he is and that he's good yeah. and, and that's what will save us yeah. when, 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 it, when we're told your, your faith is what has saved you yeah it's it's your trust in Jesus. It's not you having all the right concrete yeah. beliefs all the time. And it gives you so much more room where doubt doesn't feel like an existential crisis, but it's a natural part of, of following Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually think it's really freaky whenever people are able to watch like a horrendous terrorist attack happen or like a tsunami and people don't feel like raw. Mm pain or horror in that moment they just are able to explain it away with some sort of disengaged i'm not really part of the world god has some sort of they're not really people because they're not chosen like there's Mm. this really weird yeah disconnected theology that i just find kind of frightening because it makes you really unempathetic Mm -hmm. um whereas that that doesn't have to be the case if we're if we're sort of trying to pursue the kind of jesus following that we're talking about yeah which i think would be more reflective of in our opinion, mm-hmm. the, the one Jesus wanted. <laughs> yeah, and um, I think it's true. And it's also good to remind ourselves that, you know, because, you know, I've talked about deeds and, you know, I've talked about faith and all that sort of stuff and doing things. And I guess the, the, the common thing that happens is, is that deeds don't save us and works don't save us. And um, that's very true. We're saved by Christ alone, putting our trust in Jesus and trusting who he, sa- who he says he is. And um, that that's true. And, but yeah, we're we're called to, um, be an active presence in this world, and that mm-hmm. means you know, uh, doing as Jesus did, and yeah, it's not easy, but it's what we're it's what we're called to do, and I guess, you know, one of the things that the challenges for me and the challenges for you and the challenges for everyone, is that um, to, yes, read more about Jesus, read your Bible, um, uh, do 
those things, go to church, do those <laughs> things if they're important, yes. but allow what we learn and allow what we um yeah, learn about Jesus to not just simply rest in our heads, but actually you know, pour out to how we live our lives. And the fact of the matter is is that we because it's only the only reason that people will know um you know that we are christians is because we become doers and not hearers only which is another thing from james you know be you know doers not just hearers um and uh, james is great and that he just mm-hmm. fills so He's much good stuff but yeah it's about doing being doers and i think that's a challenge for us because it's so easy to fall into that believerism idea where we just sit in our corner and we trust it you know i believe this and you know, I, I, you know, and but it is funny. You mentioned something there about how like, we and I've done this before. Where, whenever like we're called, when someone like you know Jesus very clearly says you know love the poor, and then we find excuses not to do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's not many poor people around here. Or if I give to the poor people, this will happen. Or they'll go if, do this. If you give money to poor people, they'll they'll spend it all on drugs or, or stuff like that. And I guess so yes. And I guess there's there's an element we have to be, discerning about stuff. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. You know, you have to be discernment and have discernment about stuff, but it's easy to find an excuse. Yeah. It's easy to be like... And there's a level oh, of cynicism, like, I can't yeah. give money directly to the poor person, but I also don't trust any charities, and I also don't trust the church with yes. my money because they spend it on silly things. Yes. And then you end up having a lot of money and not helping anyone. Yeah. So I guess the whole thing about it is, is um, for me, the challenge is to become more... Yeah. To become more... Uh, a, a more active role my faith become more active rather than intellectual um you know and uh, that's that's the challenge for us all isn't it any final words um just yeah i think what we're what we're getting at is you want you know if you read james you want the faith that's alive you don't want yeah. the faith that's dead and uh yeah let's let's try and do that because i think that's what jesus wants mm-hmm. and that's yeah that's the challenge for us all one last question is it coming home? <laughs> you've just made this. You've just dated this uh, podcast we're, we're already. It's dumped. It's podcast. all dated already because yeah, that means anyone who's uh, yeah. Well, if you ask me the question, I will say no. Oh, but yes, just in case they do win it, and then it means I can. <laughs> okay. I sign as if I could. I called it, and I can say I'm pro- I'm a prophet. Oh no, give me a yes or no. Oh uh, no, I don't think it is, no. I think okay. at least gonna win. Okay, fair enough. What about yourself? Um I love an underdog. So I'm gonna say England even though I do think Italy will probably win. But yeah. Mm. Sure. Well I want Italy to win, I don't like yeah. England. I mean I don't like England as a country, but I kind of like their football team. Here's me. I don't actually like football, but for some reason the past week I don't I'm... like Boris Johnson, so I don't want it the way. <laughs> the past yeah. week for some reason um... Yeah. I'm kind of apparently I'm just that kind of person that rides a okay rides, rides a culture wave you know yeah well oh, I'd be we'll ha- soon I'd find be out happy. I'd be happy for them if they won I think yeah we'll soon find out if you're listening to this in 2028 and it's uh, <laughs> you're it like what on earth <laughs> it never came home um, maybe it's uh, I don't know but anyway yes well Jordan thank you for joining me today lovely, this lovely morning <laughs> what, what time are we it's half one in the morning half one it's exciting times great but uh, yeah. But hope you enjoyed. Yes, hope grace, you enjoyed this. Peace. This this uh, yeah this discussion on believerism and uh, 
Yeah, we'll see you in the next podcast. Good night. Bye.